welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 106th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today's episode is going to be golden. EJ and I are talking about the Golden Globes, and we are bringing the whole staff from Monkeys Fighting Robots to the table. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic EJ Marino. EJ. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Birthday. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. This we've we've had a lot to do since our break, and I'm pretty excited because this show's ridiculous. We have so many people here, so many things to talk about. This is gonna be fun. We have Larry, the managing editor of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. We have Felix Albuerne, movie critic from Tampa, and then we have Dewey Singleton, the other movie critic from Tampa, and. Everybody's coming from a different perspective, and I'm excited about this because the Golden Globes is like my drunk award show that I really enjoy. I feel like all the people that go to the award show enjoy it. I feel like the people doing the nominations were drunk. Like, some of these are ridiculous. I can't wait to get into this. Oh, the insults have already started. Okay. (laughs) You're just upset that Batman We're not even a minute in. You're just upset that Batman vs Superman didn't get enough nods. Oh man! Let's see. <laughs> the let's Batman. see how long we can go without another Batman v Superman. I think, I think I think Snyder got flipped off collectively by the foreign press, <laughs> and that's a sentiment I think three of us share. But hey, you know, I don't think he cares about the Hollywood foreign press. That's or okay. making anything good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Or narrative storytelling. Yeah. Again. Hi, right, girls, girls, we're all pretty. We're all going to get dates to the prom. My... No, 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 you don't understand. The microphones are on now. It's hot, okay? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to come after the one guy who makes the rest of us look like idiots. We're doing it today. <laughs> it's coming out right now. He said not to yell at him. Well, that was an invitation to yell at him. All right, well, no, wait, let's go. Let's Felix, do this. Felix, let's do, let's do this correctly then, because if EJ is a defender of the Snyder DC Universe, you got Dewey already trolling Justice League a year before it even comes out. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have, I mean, we've seen one trailer and we're already trashed in a film. So we, I, I, fanboys, we need to kind of come to center and, and give things time. And again, we all saw Batman vs. Superman. We have an opinion about it, but that was 2016. So let's move on. Can we? Well, look, I think, isn't it fair to say that we're all collectively, we're all willing to be surprised? Yes. We're all, we all want to be proven wrong. However, with the track record, and granted, the track record is perceived differently by those of us that are here today. But for some of us, the track record just points to mediocrity at best and troll worthy at worst. And so, you know, you can't blame us for being skeptical. Now, prove us wrong. Make make a film that is palatable. Wonder make Woman. A film that is Wonder coherent. Woman. Wonder Woman's well, on the but way. That's not Snyder. I, that's yeah. not Snyder. It doesn't it? matter. It's a D where where No, 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 no. No, because because <laughs> we're holding Snyder specifically accountable for his skill as a storyteller. 
as a oh, visual but... storyteller. Now, no, why do I... people hate Suicide Squad then? Uh, I don't. I think Suicide Squad was a better film than than B, than BVS. No, it was a better film than BVS. <laughs> Not a whole lot better. And, and you're talking about tripe, and you know yesterday's garbage. You know there there are two levels yeah. here. Neither one. Which of them kind straight. of cancer do you want to get? You know? <laughs> sure, sure. The yeah. one that kills you quickly, or the one that drags on for for you know forever. <laughs> And just to just just to defend myself for a second, as I was wait, waiting for an opening, as Felix's head was about ready to explode. As for the Justice League, I just pointed out two issues that I saw coming. That's a distinct difference than going out on a limb and declaring something a masterpiece on the level of you know a Citizen Kane or something along those lines. I, um, I feel like so this we're is talking our about, best we're talking of about apples and oranges here, so. What I did was just point out something that, you know, in retrospect, maybe I should have taken a step back and said, hey, let me just see the movie first. But I was just expressing my personal thoughts that, hey, I'm not as keen about this movie based on what I've heard and what I've already seen. That's basically all I said about the Justice League. And I believe in the article I said, prove me wrong, which is what Felix was just saying as well. Prove us wrong. I think the whole DC universe is hinged on on the success of Wonder Woman. And of course that trailer looks amazing, but you know, the Batman versus Superman trailer looked pretty incredible too. So, you, you get the hiccups we'll on the podcast? Yeah, I got the hiccups. <laughs> okay. This is tur- this is turning into uh the late hours of the Christmas dinner table where the battles are coming. Does anybody else have a grievance that they need to air before we actually start talking about the Golden Globes? Yeah, let's get on. Let's let's move on from <laughs> No, all my grievances today are about the Golden Globes. <laughs> <laughs> My pod's not going to be more than two hours. It's going to be way over two hours. Oh, no, no. (laughs) I'm going to be the wolf blitzer of this debate, and we're going to cut it off quick. Okay, go. You're going to repeat what we say, exactly how we say it? (laughs) Does anybody have a problem with a rival getting snubbed? Because that was my number two film of 2016, and I was kind of upset that it's not on the list for best drama. I had to personally find a movie just to like it. Because I was just like, man, if Arrival's not here, I don't know what I'm going to pick. So that was it was more upsetting for me because kind of threw off a lot of my predictions because I was like, that was best director for me. That was best picture for me. And now it's not here. So I'm like, I have to like other things. Felix? I think it's really great. I, I think, um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge is surprising to me. I, I mean, I get it. It's the prestige war movie. It's the return of Mel Gibson, um, you know, on and on. But as far as a movie goes, I, I would have replaced that one with Arrival. The one that surprised me that was missing entirely from uh, the Golden Globes was Denial with Rachel Weisz um, and Tom Wilkinson. That was a film that I thought was brilliantly executed, beautifully acted, uh, and deserved some recognition. And the fact that no one, Timothy Spall, should have been in the supporting actor category. Tom Wilkinson, Rachel Weisz. The fact that it's not here at all was rising to me. So that would be my one snub that stood out. Dewey, what was your opinion on Arrival getting snubbed? Well, we got to remember that the categories, uh, we got drama and comedy. Drama's pretty jam-packed, and Lion's a tremendous film. Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight, Hell or High Water, Hacksaw, Ridge, Fences could have been in there. So it's not entirely surprising that Arrival just missed the cut because they keep those categories at about five each. So, I mean, someone didn't wasn't going to make the cut. And as for 
Felix's comment about denial, I have a feeling denial is going to end up showing its face around Oscar time because you're right, denial is a tremendous film. But as for Arrival, I loved it, no question about it. I said as much on the on the website, but someone had to not make it, and I guess Arrival was the one. The next debate I want to kind of talk about is since we are a pop culture website, we've already had our grievances with Batman vs Superman aired. Deadpool got nominated for the Golden Globes and. There are some film snobs that say it doesn't deserve it. There are nerds everywhere that are excited. I can honestly say it was one of the films that made me laugh the most that I watched in 2016. So I think it's deserved to be there for a comedy. Let's go around to start with Larry. Uh, yeah, I'm totally fine with it there. Like we said, this is the Golden Globes. You know, this is the drunk uncle of award season. Uh, so what better place to have, you know, a, a character like Deadpool represented uh, I don't think it's going to win. Uh, just having it there kind of uh, expands the the viewing audience for the the Globes. So as far as a ratings thing goes, it makes perfect sense that it would be there. And, uh, you know, for its own merits, it is a funny movie. Um, it's entertaining, funny, whatever. It's it's kind of a, a popcorn throwaway type, type movie. But uh, I don't have any problem with it there. Can I go real quick? Because I have a list for you that could have been there later. I wanted to go. <laughs> okay. I, I knew it. Army Man, The Nice Guys, The Edge of Seventeen, Ooh, what, nice Everybody guys. Wants Some, Hail Caesar. This that this that segment was called Movies That Should Have Been There instead I, of I retract my I retract my statement. The Nice Guys should have been there instead of Deadpool. That's an excellent point. Like there is so much that could have been there, and we gave it to something you said a ratings ploy. That's what this is. It's like here, we'll just give it to Deadpool. I dis I disag that I disagree with you. I I will, I will batter you out on that one because again, I think it's one of the funnier films that I watched in 2016, where most of the comedies that came out had a really bad third act. Everybody wants some. I, is, is sort of a comedy, and I really enjoyed that one, but there, it only hit like a small audience for that film. You know, baseball junkies like me really enjoyed the film. It wasn't a mass that was appeal. Very niche, yeah, very niche so, audience, yeah. I want to preface this by saying that I too I enjoyed watching Deadpool as a comedy in theaters, but I would be remiss to not recognize. I don't. I don't necessarily think this is a viewership. Ploy. I think this was a social media marketing ploy. I think that you know, to no nominating Deadpool gets Ryan Reynolds on board tweeting about the nomination of Deadpool, which gets hundreds of retweets, which brings tons of media attention that the Golden Globes may not have otherwise had. Now, that's pretty cynical. Um, but look, there are a lot of award shows. And they need to compete just like anybody else in any other industry. So I think it's naive to say that that didn't play a role in the fact that it was nominated. Does it belong there? I, I think it I think it sort of demeans the categories and it feeds into that perception that Larry mentioned that this is the drunk uncle of the award shows. I look at this show or I looked at it previously as something that was a good way to handicap the Oscars. There is credibility here, or at least there should be. But if you're going this route, and and just say for the moment that I'm right, and this was a social media marketing ploy, then what does that open the door to in the future, as far as what's going to be nominated for a Golden Globe? And does that lower the bar for everything else? 
personally, I wasn't a fan of the nice guys. Shane Black, I love Shane Black. I was looking for something along the lines of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I didn't get it. But there were other films that I think were more deserving. And uh, so, yeah, I think this was a ploy. I don't think it's viewership because I don't think more people are going to tune in on Sunday night. But it did get them a whole lot more attention. Dewey, what do you think? Deadpool absolutely has to be in this category. It uh, redefined the comic book uh, movie genre, uh, pushing that envelope to the R-rated film. Uh, Made a ton of money. It was well-received. It was a fun movie. And if we're going to have a category that involves musical and comedy, it's one of the biggest comedies of the year. And this is the opportunity for that type of movie, well, basically to be recognized. So this movie should be in this category. I mean, I'm kind of sad that the... Uh, the Edge of 17 is the one that suffers, along with the nice guys. But if we're looking at this as a whole, if Deadpool doesn't happen, then Logan doesn't happen because it showed that you can make a quality film, an R-rated film, uh, that satisfies the comic book fandom, along with you know just typical people who want to go see a movie. Without Deadpool, there isn't Logan, and this movie killed, and it deserves to be in this uh, in this category. It's not going to win. No, no chance of winning. And I, I, I don't disagree with some of the things that have been said about social media and tweeting. That's all relevant. I'm, it, it has to be in the category. I don't, I want to rebut this I, because personally, I don't see the equivalency between Logan and Deadpool. We were going to see more R-rated films regardless of whether Deadpool opened up. And then I asked the question, what does Deadpool open the door to in terms of more comic book movies? Are we going to see a Lobo film? And anything that follows is going to be compared to Deadpool. It's going to fall short of Deadpool. It's not. It's just not going to... I don't see Fox. I don't see the major studios. I certainly don't see Marvel Studios bankrolling another lurid, like, sex-crazed comic book film unless it's a Deadpool sequel. I, I, do, I don't see anything else like this. The, the closest thing would be DC's Lobo, and that's going to fall flat on its face. So I don't, I don't see the equivalence here. I, I think we would have gotten Logan no matter what, because Hugh Jackman wanted it. So, but, no, I don't, I don't think that Deadpool, Deadpool broke ground for itself. It didn't break ground for anything else. But, but this is a trailblazer, this, this sort for of what? open... The, for, for, for a different type of comic book movie, and this is why... It ends up eking into the category, eking into this category. And again, I don't disagree with you in terms of your social media comments and the tweeting and the and the what have you. I'm just telling you that based on the fact that it opened the door to to a brand new type of comic book movie, that's why it gets into this category. Probably barely beating out the Edge of Seventeen or Nice Guys. But again, overall, it's not going to amount to much. It's not going to win in some way part ploy, but it's also a tip of the cap to what it did for uh, that type of genre of film. Okay, let's establish this really quick. Fantastic Four reboot was a shit-tastic movie. 20th Century Fox was an all-time low. Then Deadpool comes along and is kicks ass. And so that's the thing is you don't know how far ahead it is with Deadpool because Fantastic Four was so bad, and then Age of Apocalypse wasn't that good either. So for me... 20th Century Fox did the right thing with Deadpool. They made a really good film, and it did change things because it it shows that there's money out there when you make a good product, no matter if it's a PG-13 or an R-rated product, and that might push the comic book genre into different realms of testing things out. Good or bad, Deadpool has created money for creators to make R-rated comic books. 
but yeah, it's not I do the think first I do think one. as far as the I know I it's not I know it's not the first go. one, but it's but it was a huge it was a, a huge money. I mean, it was the highest rated or the highest grossing R rated comic book movie. Sure, but I mean, it's an isolated incident. What other character is going to generate that combination of social media buzz? We'll that see. Level of excitement. There is no other character that can do Felix, that. Felix, I will speak well, your language. I do think language. Logan. I, I do think your language, okay, so Felix. If Logan were to come out. Sorry, if Logan were to come out. At PG thirteen, I think it would just be another Wolverine movie. You know, uh, a long line of, of uh, forgettable Wolverine movies. I do think l- allowing it to have the R rating, uh, the R rating, um, is gonna, you know, it's gonna be more violent. It's gonna be more what fans are looking for, uh, right. and so I think they're gonna come out and see it because, you know, they saw what they had with Deadpool. Uh, it's a totally different character. Logan's not gonna be funny like this, but it is an R rated Fox comic book. You movie. think? So the people Larry, at Fox are Larry. like, okay, here's an R-rated, here's another R-rated property we can bring out. You think the fact that Logan is R-rated is going to bring out more people than it would yeah. have? I you think really so. You really believe that? Because it's Hugh, Jackman, because Hugh Jackman's last ride. They would have come out regardless. Now, would have they been happy with the final product? Maybe, maybe not. Probably They would have not, to come out with like the R-rated, story. But they're going to you know, come. The R-rated director's cut, you know, it would have to be the R-rated DVD director's cut type thing, like uh, Batman vs Superman did. I think more people will come out. I'm more interested in it because it's. I know it's going to be a little more violent. I don't know what that says about me, but uh, you know, I think it's going to be more interesting for that reason. And look at the social media campaign for Logan as well. What have they highlighted? They've highlighted, you know, scenes of, uh, you know, the arms being cut off and various other. You know, battle type wounds via uh, claws Instagram. in the head. Claws mm-hmm. in the head. I mean, that's you know, we're all pointing towards the R rated. Um, I don't disagree. Logan was going to happen regardless, but I think Deadpool opened the door to taking Logan to the next level. That's why this movie needs to be in the category, but quite frankly, because it opened the door for other people to try things that may have been tried in the past but weren't quite as successful. Felix, my thing is. The team that wins the Super Bowl, usually there are five or six copycat teams that try to do that the following year. Good or bad, when you are successful, like Deadpool was, there will be copycat films after that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. EJ, I feel like this isn't our show anymore. Do you have any closing remarks on Deadpool? I liked watching everyone talk about this because I just He's doesn't belong it. here. This is a <laughs> this is a little tiny movie in a what I think should be a big fish. A, it's a big pond of awesome movies, and you throw Deadpool in there, it feels like a joke. Like it's it's the continuing the joke of a fourth wall break from the movie. It's like oh, I got nominated for a Golden Globe. That's gonna be a joke in the sequel. I'm just I'm over it. I I will talk about it more of it when we get to Best Actor because I cannot stand that he's there either. It'll be a meta joke in the sequel for sure. I, I am already rolling my eyes. And, like, there's other <laughs> things, too. Like, I think Blade pushed the door for R-rated films in the 90s harder than they did. I think Three Hours of Big Blue Penis and The Watchmen pushed the, like, the line harder than... Oh, you got you got to take a drink. Zack Snyder, Snyder joke. We got to take a drink now. Snyder. Snyder. Yay! <laughs> I don't, but I, just, I don't game. see the door pushing. I thought it was cool. To the same right, then does the Hangover deserve well, a Golden mean, Globe when I it came out? I was meaning more specifically for Fox Studio, like uh, 20th Century could, Fox. Yeah, I can say them because they've had some pretty shit-tastic years. Right. But yeah. yeah. It, it's it's just it's it's interesting that it's here. I'm intrigued by some people being okay with it. Um, if this gets an Oscar nomination, 
I'm leaving the country. Yeah, it's not going to get an Oscar nomination. Relax. It, it's it's scary. This uh, My pretentious film heart <laughs> cannot handle this. Pardon me, Matt, but the monkeys are out of bananas. What do you mean we have no more bananas? I would suggest you go to a break. Huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000-square-foot showroom is Court-certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Welcome back to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast. Let's go jump into the Golden Globes and talk about the best picture in the drama category. We have Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. EJ, since it is your show, you go first. My pick was going to be Arrival. Arrival's not here, so my pick's Moonlight. I think Moonlight's a great film. Um, I don't think it's the revolutionary film some people are calling it. I feel like I've seen it before, but it's awesome, and I really want it to win. And then Dewey, Felix, and Larry, you all picked Manchester by the Sea. Dewey, quickly tell me why you like this film. Well, I love Moonlight as well, but Manchester by the Sea has won basically every guild vote that's been out there from New York to... Florida, all the way to California, and it's got all this momentum. It's a tremendous film, tremendous acting. It's going to get a bunch of nominations at the Oscars. It's going to kill at the Golden Globes this Sunday. It's definitely going to win. Felix, I did not see Manchester by the Sea because it looks like a depressing drama, and I need to be in a, a certain state of alcohol consumption to watch this film. Why should I go see Manchester by the Sea? Because it performers are performing at a level that needs to be seen to be appreciated. Casey Affleck has arguably never done anything better than this, and he's done he's done quality work before. Kenneth Loggren, uh, as a director, as a writer-director, is extremely talented. This is a beautifully crafted film, and you'll see sometimes in my reviews I'll refer to emotions or themes that are related in a film as being, quote-unquote, true. Okay, genuine. You recognize them as real. And there is nothing in Manchester by the Sea that is not genuine. Now, it may not reach certain audiences because, as one of our number pointed out, it's all white people. It is, that was me. That was me. But, you know, it, in the place and time that the story is set, that makes perfect sense. So that didn't throw me out of the narrative at all. I'm, and, for the record, folks, for people who don't know, no, I'm not white. I'm a, I'm a Filipino Cuban. I'm as minority as it gets. All right? And it still got to me because what the actors are projecting on screen, it's arresting. It's captivating. There is something uplifting here, but it's not uplifting to the point where it's saccharine, where it feels false, where it feels Hollywood. This is, this is people grappling with tragedy. And how do you overcome this to become something better? And it's not easy. And watching this film, it's not easy, but it is worthwhile. Larry. I couldn't agree with you more, Felix. You're my Western guy. If there was one guy out of the group that I thought was going to pick hell or high water, it was going to be you. Why did you well, pick Manchester oh, oh. by the Sea over this amazing film, Hell or High Water? 
Okay. Now, I picked Manchester by the seat, not because it's my favorite one out of the category at all. I picked it because I think it's going to win. You know, I'm just picking picking the winners here. I would probably have it third on this list behind Hell or High Water and Moonlight. Um, I think those are both superior films, uh, especially seeing Hell or High Water. Don't want to get political, but post-election. Uh, it really has a lot of things to say about our current state and uh, um, a lot of the uh, voter turnout uh, this November. Um, that and Moonlight, I've never seen anything like it. I may not, I, I may not have anything in my head that um, that I'm thinking of right now, but I've never seen anything like Moonlight. So I, one of those two, I think, deserves it. Uh, now, as far as who's going to get it, it's going to be Manchester by the Sea. Uh, I, I think it's a good movie, and it is sad, but I found myself laughing a lot, sometimes at you know uncomfortable spots, which I think uh, Lonergan was trying to get. Um, he he made things messy. Um, yes. He made things, um, you know, there was there was little details all the way through it. Um, a, a gurney's not working right at a horrible time. Um, you know, they lose their car uh, at one time. It's hilarious. And it's all in the middle of all this horrible, horrible tragedy they're dealing with. Um, and it just kind of gave it that realism. But at the same time, cinematically, Moonlight or Hell or High Water, um, I would pick um, with my heart, I guess, over that. Rebuttals? I want to say my favorite film... It wasn't on this list either. My favorite film for the whole year was Captain Fantastic with Viggo Mortensen. And we can talk about that because he, he did score a nomination for a Best Actor. But And I loved Hell or High Water. I want to go on the record and saying, that, and saying that as well. That was in my top five for the year by far. Uh, but Manchester by the Sea is just a, a finer crafted film. DJ. Uh, I will say I think Hell or High Water would have been, or even Hacksaw Ridge. I ended up seeing Hacksaw Ridge a little later than most people did, and I really loved the film. Um, that would have been cool. I just find Manchester by the Sea the most mundane, boring piece, and that's just, it's just not for me. You know, I'm glad it's getting its love. It's cool. Don't like Casey Affleck at all. Didn't like Casey Affleck before his sexual assault scandal. Don't like him after. Still just kind of mediocre on the whole piece. It's fine. And my whole comment about the people of color not being in the film is just more like it was just boring. It was like eating like toast with no butter on it. It was just dry. And, hey, it's probably going to win. And Sometimes I'm life is boring. Sometimes life is dry. Sometimes life is tragedy. And that's what Logron was going for in the film. It, it was tremendously shot. It was tremendously crafted. Uh, it was about as raw of a film as I've ever seen. I think Moonlight's right up there with it, but there's nothing about... I don't know how you could use the word boring describing this film. This film is the furthest thing from boring. We're dealing with tragedy on an epic level, and these actors, Affleck and, and Michelle Williams, just convey such heartbreak in this film that you, you can't help but just be a puddle when you uh, leave the theater. So... When, when you say it's boring, I just, I don't get it, man. Sorry. I also, I don't get that you said Michelle Williams emotes things. I've never seen that in the history of her career. So. Have you seen the film? Yes, I have. I thought it was boring. Did you, see, did you see the scene that they had on the street? I wish yeah, we had video of this. This video I'm is awesome right now. I'm going to call the men in black because <laughs> it's confirmed now he's an alien. He just perceives emotion What's in a unimaginable different fuck way. You, Seriously. I just, mean, come on, man. Call the MIBs right now. With the straight jackets, just just do it. I'm trying. Just, yeah. just haul him about... away and let's move on. But if for, that's the I, reason enough to like something, why didn't Nocturnal Animals get a pick then? You know what I mean? It, it's just weird. Or the I just, arrival. Kind of or the arrival. Get picks. The arrival. The, let's go back to the arrival. Like 
The Arrival has, I've been thinking about that movie the whole entire time since I've seen that movie. Like, that should be in there. But my thing, as like a, the, a filmgoer that I, when I go sit in a film, I want to enjoy myself. And that is why I have yet to watch Manchester by the Sea, because I don't want to go through this emotional, gut-wrenching drama. There's a lot of uh, real shit going on in this world as it is. That's why, that's why with Hell or High Water, that's real. But somewhat, it's got enough machismo factor for me to get into it. And you have like some serious mushmouth Jeff Bridges too, so that's always a bonus. Yeah, and Hacksaw and Hacksaw Ridge was a real film, and I got behind that because I said that that's the Spider-Man film that I always wanted to see. Because Peter Parker uh, going against invincible odds, saving everybody. Like I was like, oh my god, if he was just wearing a spider suit, this would be the best Spider-Man movie ever. And and then yeah, you have Manchester then had the by the problem of uh, dramatic Vince Vaughn, so uh, that kind of ruined the whole thing. <laughs> but then you have Manchester by the Sea, which is just a straight up drama. Which if I'm looking at it, then I'd be like, okay, I get where he's saying it's a dry film. The other films have certain things to it that give it pizzazz, and this one you're just kind of stuck in a real situation. And not everybody wants to go watch that. I don't know, man. It's not. It's not entirely. I mean, you're not just sobbing, you know, in your in your pillow the entire time you're watching this movie. There I mean, is a range of emotion. That's there's right. all kinds of. I mean, there's humor. There's there's great dialogue. There's great ban- banter back and forth between uh, Affleck and the kid. I can't remember his name right Lucas now, Hedges. but yes, yes. But I mean, there's some good stuff in there, and and I found myself laughing a lot more than I thought I would. Of course. There were some deeply, deeply upsetting things as well, but I think it's a little more balanced than than just this weepy tearjerker that everybody you know calls it. I, I um, love, but I love, at the same time, you know, Hell or High Water and Moonlight would be my pick. So <laughs> I love the scenes where uh, he's trying to hook uh, Lucas Hedges, his character is trying to hook up with that chick, and uh, he tries to get Casey Affleck to talk to the to the mom just long mom. enough so he so he can seal the deal and. He, he finally Casey Affleck's like um, I'm done, and they're yeah. in the car, and, and he's like, "You couldn't do it five more minutes, could you? Five more minutes." I mean, it's talk about what? A, yeah, it's very funny. Hi. Right, well, speaking of funny, let's move on to the best picture comedy or musical: 20th Century Woman, Deadpool, Florence Foster Jenkins, La La Land. My personal favorite: Sing Street. EJ, this is your show as well. Where are you going with this? This is kind of my least favorite category out of all of them. Not a big fan of any of the movies here, but if I had to pick one, Florence Foster Jenkins is awesome. Meryl Streep in general, just it it's her. It's she's flawless in it. She's great. This is something I, I could care less about any of these films. Um La La Land was okay. Not my cup of tea. I like my musicals a little bit more over the top. I like a Chicago more than a La La Land. But no, it, you know, this category I can kind of deal without. You know, I'm I'm with DJ on it. This this whole category is just kind of Meh, you know, I, none of these really jump out at me as something special. That being said, I think La La Land has just got all the momentum right now, so it's probably going to take home this. Felix, you are the movie critic, as Dewey is as well. You picked Florence Foster Jenkins over La La Land. Why did you do that? Now, if you ask me who I think will win, I agree with Larry, I, and, and I think Dewey will go along with this as well. La La Land has all the momentum. Everyone's talking about it. It's the It movie this season. I really loved Florence Foster Jenkins, and I walked out of it thinking that this is awards-worthy maybe in a different year. I was blown away by its production design. I loved the fact that Meryl Streep sings badly in this film because it spoke to her talent. You have to be really good 
as far as singing to sing badly. And I, I'll never forget walking out of that theater and there, I'd never heard so many people deliberately singing badly coming out of a, any kind of performance because everybody was in love with that element of the film. You can't stop laughing at it. Now, do I think it'll win? No. And Meryl Streep is nominated uh, in a Best Actress in a Comedy. I don't think she'll win either because she's won enough. You know, and, and that's always going to work against her for, for the rest of her career. She's won so many times. Now, it doesn't seem to hurt Veep at all. Uh, we're not going to talk about the TV categories, at least I don't think we are. But I, I don't think it'll win, but I, I was thoroughly enchanted with the film. I thought it was beautifully done. It's Hugh Grant's best work in years. Dewey, you wrote a very passionate piece about La La Land, and this is definitely the hot choice going into the awards program, but but what was it about this film that moved? It's impeccably crafted. It's a it's an homage to the uh, to the uh, to the era of the, of the big musical. It's it's staged incredibly well. It, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It, it's it's wonderfully acted. There is literally no chance in hell it doesn't win. Uh, I mean, I liked Florence Foster Jenkins as well. I, I've seen everything on this list, and the only person who could possibly have an upset is Sing Street, and I don't think that's even happening. So La La Land will win. Take it to the bank. Sing Street, by the way, if you haven't seen it, is it's a, an amazing film. I dumb it down by saying it's Irish Glee, but it is way more than that. And then the literally the last sentence of the film punches you in the gut and gives yes, you an emotional does. response. So it's Sing Street is a film that's worthy to go see. I think it's 99 cents on iTunes now. It was when I, when I saw it a few weeks ago. So it's spend your 99 cents, go see the films, and they make more of them. Moving on to Best Director. This is going to simplify everything. We only have one category. Best Director, EJ, where are you going? Tom Ford, Nocturnal Animals. I know it's going to be a controversial pick for this. I think everyone in this category is amazing. Like, there's not one person that I think did a bad job. But personally, I know, I think Felix and Larry both said it. I kind of went with a favorite as opposed to who I know is going to win. I think La La Land's going to win for sure. But honestly, Tom Ford's Nocturnal Animals is such a flawless piece. It's so beautifully crafted. It's so melodramatic. The shots he frames is beautiful. The costume design that's in his film. I don't know. This is this is just, to me, Tom Ford making a film. It's classy. It's pretentious. It's beautiful. Man, it's awesome. Dewey, what did Barry Jenkins do in Moonlight? to persuade you to think he's going to win? Uh, he was far superior to anybody else on this cat in this category, quite frankly. Uh, but what is it took, specifically? What is it specifically that... He like, was able to take the the, the emotion of trying to identify your, your masculinity and pull that out through a variety of shots, selection, uh, the way the film was staged. I think Barry Jenkins not only will win running away on Sunday for the Golden Globes. I think he's a favorite to win um, potentially the uh, the Oscar as well. I mean, he's taken a little-known little, little, little known film like Moonlight, and because he has this ability to just drop these emotion, these types of emotions that you don't expect to feel when you go see Moonlight uh, through the way that the film is staged, and, and he just, you, you leave a mess. And I didn't expect to leave the film a mess. But, yeah, that's that's the way I can answer that question. Larry, did you vote with your heart or did you vote with the winner here? Uh, I voted with the winner on this. This is the same momentum thing with La La Land. I, I, I'm i pulling for Barry Jenkins, um, but I do think 
Moonlight's night is going to be Oscar night. It may not be director. It may not be picture, but it's going to be a, you know, a handful of categories. It may be director. I just think the way he tells the same, the story of the same person through three such drastically different settings in this one person's life and manages to tie it all back in together um, for beginning to end. It's just, uh, it's, it's a film that grew on me. You know, I left the theater and I was, uh, you know, I was saying, okay, that was a pretty good movie. And then, you know, I'm, I'm driving around, I'm thinking about it. Uh, and the more and more I think about it, the, the better and better it gets, um, you know, in my mind. As far as Nocturnal Animals, I enjoyed, uh, I mean, I think it's beautiful. I mean, I think, I mean, of course, that's Tom Ford. Um, it is a super stylized movie, and it's it's great in that regard. I just, something about the 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 story within the story it, it lost some of the dramatic impact with me knowing the whole time that this was just a book he was writing. I get that it was a metaphor for everything that, that uh, Hall and Amy Adams were going, going through in their life. Um, I just thought that the, the Gyllenhaal Adams section was, was far and away superior to the actual story in the middle with Michael Shannon and all that. I just didn't have any kind of like emotional attachment to that. The other two, and Mel Gibson's not going to win. Um, but yeah, I think La La Land will win just based on the momentum. Felix, you're holding by Manchester by the Sea. Why do you think this is the director that's going to take it home? Again, I come back to, in terms of Manchester by the Sea, I, I come back to this idea of visual storytelling. And Larry mentioned something earlier that's so key here, is details. Visualizing the story by storyboarding it out. And what details are you going to focus on to convey a particular feeling? What moments are you going to key in to bring out the emotion of a particular scene? All of that, you can argue all of these directors do that. They do it well. But for Manchester by the Sea, it was just so impactful because it's such a quiet film that you really have to pick your moments in order to obtain maximum impact. And I don't, I don't think there was a false note. I don't think there was a bad choice in the film at all. That takes skill. That takes tremendous skill. And that's why I'll stick by Lonergan. So this doesn't become a four-hour podcast. What I'm going to do now is with Best Actor, we're going to combine the drama and comedy. And I want you to talk about the actor that impressed you the most between them all. Uh, for drama, we have Casey Affleck, Joel Edgerton. Uh, Andrew Garfield, Viggo Mortensen, Denzel Washington, and then we have Colin Farrell, Ryan Gosling, Hugh Grant, Jonah Hill, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, we already know that Ryan Reynolds is out of that group. So EJ, out of that, out of this big group of men, which man impressed you the most in 2016 as an actor? I really want to say I wanted to see Fences. I haven't seen it yet, but I really wanted to like pick Denzel for this. I'm a big Denzel boy. But really what impressed me was seeing Andrew Garfield and Jonah Hill both, to me, do one of their best performances their entire career. I was really, really impressed with Jonah Hill and War Dogs. I wasn't a big fan of the movie around it because I thought War Dogs was okay, but Jonah Hill stole it for me. And Andrew Garfield... I don't know. I never thought I was going to take him this seriously as I did in Hacksaw Ridge. And I was blown away what he finally got to do. Another one, like I feel about director, everyone here is pretty good, except for Ryan Reynolds. Everyone here is doing pretty good. So I was really, this was hard for me because honestly, both categories could go to anyone. I personally think best actor for comedy, it has to be Gosling. Because everyone's saying La La Land, unfortunately, it's just going to sweep everything. 
And that's it's just going to be that movie this season. Larry, what do you what do you where are you going with your what actor uh, gave you the best? I mean, Colin Farrell. I you know looking over the picks right now, and um, you know I think Gosling will win. I think Casey Affleck will win uh, in comedy and drama, respectively. Um, but they weren't my favorite. You know, Felix pointed out uh, Captain Fantastic, and I think he picked him uh, for best actor, uh, Viggo Mortensen. And uh, man, he's he is he's he's really great in that. And I think you know this being the Golden Globes, this might be. They tend to have a a little bit of a mini upset somewhere along the way in these acting categories, and I think that might be it. As far as comedy, uh, you know, I'm with Felix on that one as well. I'd really like to see Colin Farrell win, um, but I do think it's going to be Gosling. Those are, I think, probably my three favorite. And I just saw, I just caught up with Fences uh, this last weekend, and and Denzel Washington is is phenomenal. But I think that movie is going to go to Viola Davis. So. Dewey, what men impressed you in 2016? Casey Affleck and uh, Ryan Gosling by far are the obvious choices in these categories. They were tremendous in both films. Uh, Gosling's very versatile in La La Land, has the emo- shows that emotional heartbreak that uh, he feels when he doesn't get you know, what he wants towards the end. Affleck going through a, a multitude of emotions as well. They're both going to take home the gold as well. They impressed me by far, and anything less, I, I, I don't know why you would pick anybody else. Well, I can definitely tell you why you would pick other people. I mean, Viggo Mortensen's an amazing actor. Denzel Washington's an amazing actor. Joel Edgerton, like, he's going to come into his own at one point in time. Like, it's he has some stuff in there. Andrew Garfield, I was impressed with him, what he did in that movie and the emotion that he brought into it. And Jonah Hill, I don't think he should win, but like that laugh that he did in War Dogs stuck in my head for like four days after I saw that movie. So as far as memorable things. I mean, but but if we're talking about different levels of acting here. We're talking about Casey Affleck was on another level in Manchester by the Sea. There's no doubt in my mind about this. And the only debate in my mind is whether or not the upset's going to happen where Gosling loses to Colin Farrell, because they're at least a little closer. In drama, Joel Edgerton is tremendous. Andrew Garfield is tremendous. I loved Captain Fantastic probably as much as Felix did, and Viggo Mortensen is fantastic in that film as well. Denzel's great. But they're here, and they're just not up toward Casey Affleck. I can, I can he, see he, Denzel he, Washington he bitch-slapping Casey Affleck. I can, like Denzel Washington put blood, sweat, and tears into his thing, and I think he's getting to that point right now where he's like, I already have the respect, but I want more respect, and that's what fences is. And so I can. And the problem is, is Denzel does Denzel, but he's doing Denzel really, really well in this. So I mean, like, I can see fence. I can see Denzel getting on that stage and accepting the award. Casey, there's Affleck, no way that happens. There's no Denzel way that is happens. really good in that though. He's he's an ass in that movie, but he's he plays it perfectly. Uh, he's really good. Casey Affleck is so much better than Denzel, in my opinion. I've seen. I'm telling you. I really like 200 Cigarettes. If you are comparing both films, Fences and Manchester by the Sea, and you're taking Performance A and Performance B, in this instance, Casey Affleck is the top dog. I don't know, man. They're pretty close. I I love Denzel, but that's, you know. And I won't even talk about Andrew Garfield's accent that I had no clue what it was. But, like, like, that's an English dude putting, like, as far as acting and skills, like, Andrew Garfield had did it was a phenomenal performance in there. So I can see multiple people doing it there. Being sad. Like I've had sad shit happen to me. Being sad by the sea, like is it can be easily done. You just sit there and it's the sea. I'm sad. You 
You can't that's, speak that, to it. You haven't that's seen right. it. You that's right. Thank you. That is it. the best review of that movie I've ever heard, though, is I don't want to be sad by the sea. Wow, Matt. Thank you. This is why we cut. Co- this is why we co- right I hope that's on the. I hope that's on the DVD. See the damn film and then make an opinion about it. I know. Step on the gas. No, you can't speak to it, Matt. You're not getting it, and you That's need right. to see it for yourself That's before right. you can speak to it. Actually, it's my show. This, this is my show, so I can actually talk about it. <laughs> you have me on your show, so I can dictate to you this one time, and you can never invite me back. All right. Here's the thing. I, I want to speak to Joel Edgerton for a moment. I, yes, I picked Viggo Mortensen because uh, for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier, and I've been glowing in my praise for Casey Affleck as well. But I want to speak to Joel Edgerton for a moment because you said that he hasn't quite come into his his own yet, and maybe that's because he hasn't had the breakout lead role yet. But but I would argue that as far as male chameleons, actors who completely disappear into parts and who are different from one film to the next. There are few people out there that do it as well as Edgerton does. I look at him in The Great Gatsby, and then I look at him in a stinker like Exodus, Gods and Kings. And then you look at him in The Gift, and then you look at him in Loving, and it's all different. And the range of emotion, the range of character that he has been called upon to do, it's astounding. You know, and maybe maybe that's why he hasn't had the breakout role because he's been so many different things so well that not one of them sticks out. All right. So maybe he needs to have that iconic role, but everything he's done, he has done at such a level that it needs to be noted. It needs to be praised. It needs to be acclaimed. I agree. I can't wait for the Uncle Owen, Obi-Wan Kenobi, buddy cop film with Joel Edgerton. Like, that's going to be the one. That's going to be the breakout star. But no, like, Midnight Special, like, that was an awesome film earlier this year with him. I'm a huge fan of him. He's great in The Gift. Yeah, The Gift is amazing. I mean, so I know we give him attention, but I'm still. Oh, and then the the Fighter movie? What was the fight where he was fighting for his family? Uh, Hardy. Um, Warrior. Warrior. That movie for me was what made him stand out. And I, after watching that film, I'm like, whatever he is in, I'm going to watch after that. We uh, forgot Black Mass. We forgot Black Mass talking yeah. about Edgerton, for goodness uh, sakes. Uh, a lot of people forgot Black Mass. That's okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's move on to Best Actress, and we're going to combine the categories again, drama, comedy. It's, oh, man, I'm looking at this field right here. We have – it's a good group of, of ladies here, and I'm pretty excited about EJ, what lady got you most excited in 2016? Those words have never been said in reference to me, so that's kind of amazing. <laughs> but no, uh, honestly, this is, to me, the year of Amy Adams. I really wanted to go with Isabel um, Hubbard, I think her last name is, from L. Fantastic movie, one of my favorite movies of the year. But Amy Adams blew me away in Arrival. I loved her in the three movies she was in, um, the one that will not be named. I loved her in <laughs> Arrival, and I loved her in Nocturnal Animals. Like, I think this was her year, and she really did shine. I it's weird because I think Natalie Portman's going to win it because it's a Jackie Kennedy movie and that's just like Oscar Golden Globes like gold right there. But it's Amy Adams and in comedy, it's Meryl Streep. I I think Emma Stone's going to win because, like we said, this is kind of the year of La La Land. But Meryl Streep, I'm never I'm never voting against her. Emma Stone's going to win, but I don't. When you put Emma Stone and Meryl Streep next to each other, they don't even belong in the same category. Nope, not at all. 
We ended with Felix. We're going to start with Felix. Felix, what women impressed you in 2016? Amy Adams has impressed me since Enchanted. Okay, and and I'll say this. I'll go on the record right now. I love Amy Adams' Lois Lane. I'm happy whenever she'll appear in that role in in the DC uh, Expanded U or whatever we're calling the movie versions (laughs) of, of the DC Universe. So she's high on my list this season. And in the other category... Yes, we talked about Meryl Streep. I love Annette Benning. I love Annette Benning. I've, I've been a fan of Annette Benning going back to The American President in 94. Okay, and she did films before that. Obviously, she did great work. Also, Hollywoodland, right, mm. with, uh, with Ben Affleck dramatizing the, the mystery around George Reeves' murder. And I do believe it was a murder. So many wonderful people that we love here. Yes, it's going to be Emma Stone. And uh, and yes, it's going to be Natalie Portman, but those aren't the people who impress me the most. No. But Ruth Nega, I really enjoyed her as Tulip in Preacher. Her role there just totally yeah, blew it up for me that. over yeah. the over the summer, and I I think that she's an amazing actress. Loving is the film. That's my like underdog film that I'm hoping gets a lot of praise and continues to keep going because. I think I'm in this positive message mode for 2017, but also it's a really an amazing film. So if a combination of those things can happen and she wins, because they're two completely different roles, Tulip and then her character in Loving, the range that she showed in one year is just amazing. So I'm, I'm she's my underdog pick that I'm going to go for. Larry, where are you going? As far as drama, I... You know, I picked uh, I picked Natalie Portman for Jackie, and I think uh, you know, my heart goes with Natalie Portman with Jackie. I think she's... I think she's hypnotizing in that movie. I think she nails all of uh, Jackie Kennedy's kind of strange idiosyncrasies and quirks and that, uh, that really tough accent. I think, she, you know, it wasn't distracting at all. Um, the movie itself kind of loses its way in the middle. Uh, it's not it's not the greatest movie, but um, as far as a showcase of, of Portman's talents, I think there's nothing better than Jackie. And uh, on the comedy side... Uh, she's not going to win, you know. Emma Stone's going to win, but Haley Steinfeld was phenomenal in Edge of Seventeen. That movie was phenomenal. It's going to get overlooked. 10, 15, 20 years down the road, it's it's a movie that you know we're still going to be talking about. It's going to be one of those definitive teen movies. Uh, it's got a lot of heart and soul to it, and I think she's just she's you know she's great in it. That being said, it's probably going to be Emma Stone or Meryl Streep, you know, because she is Meryl Streep. Can we give some love real quick? Can we give some love to Viola Davis? Uh, I mean, I, I remember how everyone reacted towards the beginning of the podcast about what I said about Suicide Squad. You can't argue that she was even good in Suicide Squad. The woman can do no wrong. And, and she's yep. just, again, the fact that she's here and she deserves to be here, she stands out. It's, it's incredible. You know, you, there are some people who are fans of How to Get Away with Murder. There are some people who are fans of her work in, in the DC films so far. You know, but... I think everyone who comes in contact with what Viola Davis does, however you do, you become a fan. Dewey, close us out. I think you're going to have an upset here. Uh, My heart's with Natalie Portman. She's tremendous, hypnotizing. I agree with everything Larry said. But I think Isabella Huppert from Elle, a French foreign film uh, about empowering women, about combating a a stalker. It's just it's from the same director of Basic Instinct. She's fantastic. I think she's going to pull the upset there. And in terms of best actress comedy, 
Emma Stone, La La Land, no question about it. And I agree with uh, Lara and everybody about Haley Steinfeld. And she's starting to get some momentum in a lot of these uh, votes that are going on with different guilds. So she may pull the upset, but I think the upset of the evening is going to end up being when Natalie Portman loses to uh, Isabella Huppert for Elle. And what I'm going to do with Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress, we're going to combine those. You guys are going to talk about both of those. Jeff Bridges, if he doesn't win for Hell or High Water, I really don't know what he's what what is wrong with the world after that. Uh, the best supporting actress, we that's our Viola Davis right there. I mean, like, but uh, Octavia Spencer, I love that girl. That girl's amazing. So it'll be interesting to see where uh, that all plays out. EJ, what do you got for best supporting actor and best supporting actress? Best supporting actor was interesting because I think Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water has this interesting like mystique. I haven't seen it, but I've heard. Really, really, really good things. So I'm I'm interested in that, but uh, it's Mahershala Ali. I think that's how you say. It. I always uh, mess it up, but his role in Moonlight is phenomenal. He as an actor was great. I think this to me, he's gonna win this. So uh, he can also win something for Luke Cage because he was phenomenal in that. I just everything he's done this year has been phenomenal. And best supporting actress to me, it's between the three women of color: it's Viola Davis, Naomi Harris, and Octavia Spencer. All three of them are phenomenal actresses, did great, but I really want to go with um, the two supporting actors from Moonlight for my picks. Felix, where are you going on this one? I'd love to see Octavia Spencer win. Hidden Figures is such a beautiful film, and it's getting it's getting the media attention that it deserves for a story that so few people know. The, the actors themselves, when they did an appearance at Kennedy Space Center earlier, or last year, late last year, they said they didn't know the story until they got their their hands on the scripts. Um, so I'd love to see her take this. Uh, of course, I'm a fan of Michelle Williams's work in Manchester by the Sea, but she's another one who, every time she steps in front of a camera, she's acclaimed. Or it's like she blows people away with what she does. So it's almost like your success is going against you. And I'm in the same boat as far as Jeff Bridges in supporting. If he doesn't win in supporting, then I'm turning it off. I'm not. I'm, I'm just not going to watch the rest of the show because anytime he puts on a cowboy hat and is mildly unintelligible, he's captivating. <laughs> you just you got to watch it. Dewey, what do you got for us? There's no surer thing in the world than uh, put putting all your eggs in Marisha Ali's basket. He's going to end up winning. Uh, I love Jeff Bridges as much as everybody on this podcast, but. Mr. Ali is the emotional core, one of the essential parts of the emotional core of Moonlight, and he is fantastic. And speaking of surer things, Viola Davis, just do whatever you need to do. Put all the money on Viola Davis because she's fantastic. She knocks out of the park. Sorry if that's an ESPN reference, but bottom line, she will win. Uh, That was not an ESPN reference. Uh, You are good. We are all clear. Larry? Close out this category for us. Uh, yeah, okay. Viola Davis, I'm with Dewey. Uh, she's going to win all the awards she's up for for Fences. Uh, like I said, I just saw it. Um, she's beyond phenomenal. She's she's so incredible in that movie. Uh, she deserves anything that she gets for it uh, and for her whole body of work, really, for everything she does. Um, as far as Ali getting it, I think uh, I think he's going to get it, um, and I think he's great in it, but I also think it's it's kind of a an award for – uh, the three actors playing uh, Sharon as well. Um, it's it's kind of a tragedy that none of none of the three of those actors are going to get any nominations because all three of them are just great, but they're all 
you know, it's a fragmented story in that way. And they're all three different, different actors. So, you know, they're not going to get nominations. Ali is the heart of it. Um, you know, you see Sharon when he becomes black at the end of the movie, you know, he's embodied, he's embodied um, Ali from the beginning. He's turned into that guy his, his surrogate father figure. And so I think he's really the soul of the movie, but I also think it's going to, it's going to be a win for, for the whole movie, for the, all the performances really. And then Brett, you know, I'd love to see Jeff Bridges win, but um, I, I just think it's going to be Ali. That acceptance speech would be awesome if Bridges did win. <laughs> yeah. It's always great seeing him accept anything. Hi, we are coming up to closing arguments time for the Golden Globes. This is your 30 seconds to talk about whatever you want for the Golden Globes, whether it's TV, film, or anything in the past of 2016 associated with Golden Globes. And I am going to just randomly pick people. And I, I want to hear from Felix first. That's where I'm going. Going Felix first. Can I pass? Ah, yes, you can. <laughs> we, we, we will pass. Dewey, you're up next. I think this is going to be uh, the year of Moonlight. I think Moonlight's going to definitely surprise some people. I think Best Director and Best Supporting Actor are its biggest biggest, biggest uh, chances to win. But I think there's a story yet to be told. Uh, the movie Silence was not screened for the Hollywood Foreign Press. It was screened for the Academy. And I think when it's all said and done, Silence is going to be the one that kind of blows everybody out of the water. But it is nice to see that these films get recognized because I think they're all about ready to take a seat when the big dog comes to the table. Larry? All right, I'm ready now. Oh, wait, no, you pass. We're going to Larry. Then we come back oh, to you. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> well, since we don't get a lot of time to talk about the, we're, you know, we're not talking about the TV side. Um, it's going to be fun just seeing um, the People versus O.J. Simpson win all of the awards it's nominated for. Uh, it'll be that and uh, it'll be that in Game of Thrones on the TV side. Um, as far as movies go, it's kind of a crapshoot uh, with the Golden Globes. So um, I, I don't think any of these wins are, will be really indicators as far as the Oscars go, because there's going to be I think Arrival will get a Best Picture nomination. Sure. Um, it'll, it, it should get Best Director. Uh, we'll see. Um, but that's that's all I have to say. And we're going back to Felix. Uh, I just think it would be great if if Jeff Bridges does get that win for Best Supporting Actor, and then we get John Turturro winning for Best Performance by an Actor in a Limited Series for the night of, because then we have the Jesus and the Dude winning on the same night. Quality. <laughs> How great I, would that be? That would, that would be amazing. EJ, Golden Globes thoughts? Uh, we didn't like Larry said. We didn't get to talk about TV. My big hope is I hope Atlanta just sweeps everything. I hope Donald Glover gets a best yes, actor. That's great. Um, and I hope Atlanta gets best comedy. But to go, you know, this is something also do we touch on. My favorite movie of the year wasn't even screened for the Hollywood Foreign Press. It was The Handmaiden, um, the Korean movie I've talked about a hundred times on the podcast. They skipped Golden Globes and went straight to the Academy. I want to do that. I just want the Golden Globes to be over with so I can get to the fun Academy Awards. Ah, the Golden Globes are the best. It's where we drink and laugh and we have a lot of good times. I love the Golden Globes so much more than the, the Academy Awards. As far as a show, I feel like I'm more entertained. The Oscars... Ah, it's just that just doesn't have since Billy Crystal stepped away from the Oscars, it's just not the same anymore. Who's hosting this year? Nobody cares. Who, oh, it's, it's uh, Kimmel. Kimmel. It's Kimmel, yeah, yeah. right? It's Kimmel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. We are this is day two of 2017, so I appreciate that we all had the same day off, so we could talk about this. We will try to pull this together for the Oscars. This is this was the test run for the Oscars. I'm very very looking forward to our Oscar debates. I think it'll be more intense than the Golden Globe debate. So, Felix, 
Larry, Dewey, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting us. EJ, you're old now. You had a birthday. I know. I'm all of 26 years old, which, you know, hey, it's awesome. I'm glad this birthday passed. And I'm going to kick off 2017 with some awesome stuff. You know, my uh, my latest article did really well, and I'm really happy with that. So that was kind of a good birthday surprise for me to see me call Batman v Superman a masterpiece and then get yelled at by everyone ever. So that was fun. Uh, I was no, really I, hoping that when you turned 26, you would grow out of this phase. I was hoping no, that no. it was just the phase that you're <laughs> no, going that, through. <laughs> like You'll like I thought around. my ho- like I thought around. my homosexuality was it's not a phase it's it's here forever but uh, no I'm I'm super excited and uh, I can't wait to do more podcasts with you I think we both have this renewed energy for the podcast and it's gonna be fun it's definitely gonna be a blast and and I, do you think there's like a Zack Snyder conversion camp that we can send you to oh no um I've been oh, there Lord, since... conversion therapy <laughs> we're gonna start endorsing conversion therapy on this podcast oh, no! let's call Fence no. see if you can get something to do. <laughs> no it's so funny with the Zack Snyder things I've been a fan since Dawn of the Dead I'm always gonna be there he's my boy you know he's someone I, I we're I, well I kind of... aware he's your boy we're well aware yeah I or he's someone I definitely is <laughs> I wish you know I would love to be part of the Zack Snyder family because his movies are low-key homoerotic so I think I think me and him have a lot in common <laughs> I believe Matt's having an aneurysm right now. Uh, no, no. I actually said, no, after the family holidays, there is nothing that could be tougher than the family <laughs> holidays. So dealing with movie critics is way easier than dealing with family. So, And you guys are my family, so I'm glad that we had this personal time to bond because I feel like, you know, Felix has been our solid curmudgeon. Like, he has that nice curmudgeon tone. He, it's a slight optimism going on there, depending on how many craft beers he's had. And then Dewey... Yes. Dewey's just singing his La La Land, like, take it to the bank. Like, no, we're not taking it to the bank because La La Land is nice. It's cute. It's quaint. Whatever. We'll see how it plays out. And then Larry. We fi- I fi- we finally get to see Larry because Larry, Larry's just been part of the internet. We've never actually seen Larry before. So this is, this was a good family experience. So Larry's basically Sasquatch is what you're saying? Yeah. I'm a real person. <laughs> You've got actual video evidence of me and audio. <sighs> All right, guys, take care, and we will see you at the movies. Adios. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation. After the show, follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host, EJ, is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio, our new home. Check it out. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. Always the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 106th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Special shout out to my co-host, DJ Marino, for putting up with me. Our guests, Larry, Felix, and Dewey. We're probably going to have him back. Maybe not Dewey. Not sure. We'll decide. He sniffs a lot. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey's Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkey's Fighting Robots.
huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.